Klaivu sponsors the Replatform podcast. Check out Klaivu Smart Search in Action on replatform.fm to help you find the podcast you're looking for. In other news, we've written a guide with input from James and Paul, replatforming tips for in-house e-commerce teams. Download free at klaivu.com slash replatform. So welcome back to the Replatform podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in. It is myself, James, today going solo. Um, I've got a, another exciting topic. We are talking about the role of, uh, of technology in e-commerce trading and merchandising. I really want to be exploring today, what, you know, what does an e-commerce trading do? How uh, have the last like 12 to 18 months impacted things like pan and forecasting? Um, does AI and ML really work? Does it really improve performance? These are some of the questions we explore. And I'm talking to highly experienced um, digital merchandisers with, with many high-profile brands who's currently the digital trading manager at Bowdoin. Welcome to the podcast, Kat. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Uh, very good, thanks. And looking forward to to uh, to draining your knowledge on digital merchandising today. Does, does your brain feel ready? Um, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably more ready than mine. Today. So uh, before before um, we start asking uh, lots of uh, annoying questions, uh, can you just give people a favour for who you are? Uh, introduce yourself to to our listeners. Some people will might uh, already have uh, come across your work with you, but others. Uh, who won't so yeah what is your role uh, and and what is your background basically yeah so um I'm Kat I think my most importantly my main background really is merchandising so sort of the last um 10 years of my life I guess was spent doing core merchandising um from various um companies so sort of from Arcadia River Island um that kind of background um and then sort of in the last two years I've been working in um, online trading and merch so moving that over really um been at companies such as jigsaw and then currently at Bowdoin. um so kind of merging that core sort of value of merchandising with kind of i mean I, I, what i would say is sort of when i did start my roles in merchandising it was a lot more econ focused in terms of we were looking after the stock um we were looking after how to trade it um, but now I think that function's kind of evolved quite a bit and that's kind of become a role in itself, really. Um, again, with probably a lot more techn- technological approach on that as well. So, um, yeah, sort of merging the two, really. Um, and that's what I've been doing for the last just two years or so. Fantastic. And so that leads me nicely onto the first question because there'll be a lot of people listening who who are e-commerce specialists but won't have worked in a merchandising team and might not know what what like what does a digital trading manager do basically. Can you talk us through like a typical day in the life of you know, what are the key responsibilities and tasks that you, that you have to take care of? Yeah, so I guess um sort of the key things that I look for day to day is I guess reporting on trade, which is something that you know, in your key merchandising function would be pretty much the same. Um, so you're looking at the numbers constantly. It's quite a highly analytical role. Um, but in addition to that, um, you're kind of looking at traffic numbers, um, conversion numbers, how that sort of impacts your website. Um, and at the same time, constantly looking for any sort of site optimizations or trading optimizations that can be done on a daily slash weekly basis. And that's really to help improve the customer journey, helping the customer find what she's looking for on the site as quickly as possible making sure she is converting and getting through the till so I'd say that's probably the day-to-day there is sort of like a BAU I guess on top of that which is anything such as any promotional launches that we have 
um, any sort of sales. Um, that's kind of a lot of planning goes into those and how we can optimize those products, making sure we get rid of you know the high stock products and the highest margin products as quickly as possible. Um, and then, of course, things like product launches, which um, at Bowdoin happen pretty much monthly. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, just a few things to be to get busy. And I think that data point is an interesting because that it feels certainly like there's a lot more analytical skill sets have, have come into merchandising teams over the years from when I first started at e-commerce as well. Um, mm-hmm. So interesting, you, you highlight that. So that, you're working at Bowdoin now. You've worked with a lot of big brands, but what what are some of the key challenges in trading a website like Bowdoin? Because you've got different audiences, wide product catalog. What do you yeah. focus on and why? So, yeah, I guess we have a lot of products, to say the least. So, um, obviously, we trade across women's, men's, um, children's wear and babies. So, there's a lot of product categories. Um, In addition to that, we trade a lot of markets. Um, So, specifically for my role, I'm just looking after the core markets, which generate the most revenue, um, which is the US, UK and Germany. Um, But, I mean, as a small team as well, I think site merchandising for us is probably one of the key factors um, that we look at. So in addition to sort of relying on site merchandising tools, um, again, as I mentioned before, we're constantly looking for optimizations we can make within those markets, um, how they trade differently, because that is also another factor. So, um, for example, a few weeks ago or at least a month ago now, you know, Germany was in a full lockdown. How does that impact how that customer shops? Um, how does that impact what she's searching for um, and making sure we're constantly looking at that and constantly making recommendations and changes on the sites um, to make sure that they don't all trade the same because they actually don't. Um, so between site merchandising and I would say search, they're probably our key things that we focus on on a day-to-day basis. And you said you've got you've also got a team to manage. How how does a business like Bowden structure its its digital trading team? So is is it done by category, like aligned with you know uh, women's or children's, or do you do it across product sets? How does it work? So specifically, I guess for my role, um, I look after all of it, and then I have um, a team of two underneath me where it's split. So it's split um, adult and non-adult, um, but everyone looks after all the markets um within their within their departments basically so it is um pretty thin I would say um as a team but we do kind of all just muddle in together so I would look after the whole the whole site essentially um between the two um and then some weeks that we deep dive on non-adult if that's having a particular challenge um or equally if there is a particular category that's having a really great time um, we'll deep dive into that department in one week. So making sure that we don't run out of stock. If we do, what we're we doing with those out of stock products, making sure that, you know, the customer can still find um, key campaign lines, even if we are sold out and making recommendations. So it kind of flips, I would say, every week um, as best as we can. That, I think that will surprise uh, quite a few people listening that the business the size and, and uh, success of Bowdoin with its international um, um, reach as well only has three people um yeah <laughs> that, that you know there are pros and cons to bigger teams and small teams what what do you find some of the key challenges with that that resource and not a bigger team i guess just simple things like you know if, it, if anyone has annual leave or if anyone's not particularly feeling well that day 
um it makes it quite a challenge um but also I guess just having the time and knowing what to hone in on so knowing what what are the most important things to optimize that week or that day um and making the most of that time so that is quite a challenge I mean I think one thing I would say is that we have really great resources in terms of we have like an analytical team and we also have quite a big digital operations team so in terms of the operational side we don't do any of that so in terms of you know launching a sale we will have quite a big involvement in that but we won't physically do any part of that apart from like the merchandising elements so having a a pretty big um, operation side is what really helps us out so yeah yeah that makes sense that makes that makes sense. I guess it's um, allows you to focus on the analytics and the just the specific trading rather than yeah, exactly data correct, etc. Um, okay, and um, you you talked about uh, at the start like analytics and data and numbers is is critical to your role. Do you have go to metrics for measure reporting on performance? Uh, and 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 if so, like how do you use them? It'd be interesting. It's always interesting to hear what sort of metrics and KPIs people focus on. Yeah, so I think for day to day, um, we kind of we do just have a standard report that does come out. So between revenue, AOV, UPO, conversion rate, and traffic, I'd say they're probably the main day to day go tos. Um, I think with this, it's quite easy to track if there is a challenge or um, if there is traffic. I guess that you can identify that's kind of going to the wrong market or we're seeing the wrong types of traffic. So, for example, it's not our returning customer base is down or things like that. Um, we can identify that quite easily, and that can be sort of highlighted and escalated to other teams because obviously we're not we're not actually personally responsible for the traffic that comes to the site. Um, but I would say on a day to day, that'll be the major ones that we look at. Um, there is additional ones as well. So, if there is a sale launch or a product launch, um, we look at click through rates on the site. Um, products that she's clicking on products that she's not clicking on and then making determinations that way to say okay we need to do something with the site merch or we need to change this plp um so yeah i would say they are mostly the main ones that we use on a day-to-day um as they they can really really affect your performance i think um so yeah traffic is i would say probably one of the key ones that we look at yeah that makes sense and do you um do you use returns data a lot to inform your product, your on on site or on page product selections and product prioritization. Yeah, so we do have a really good, um, as I said, really good analytics um, tools. So we can actually, we do have the segments split for us. So new and returning is something that we look at quite often, um, and how that impacts conversion rate, um, as well as device types. So we do have a lot of that information um, available to hand every single day. Um, and there is a, obviously there's always like a massive piece on acquisition um, every week, but just how that affects your bottom line as well is really important to understand. And um, one one issue that impacts fashion a lot is is product returns. It's and I'd imagine I know a few people who've, who've had uh, like high returns over the last twelve months because people have been at home and not going into stores and ordering more, etc. How do you how do you use and get returns data so that you can make better decisions about which which products to to push and which ones not to? So it's quite interesting at Bowdoin that is something that's actually looked after by the merchandising teams, the core merchandising teams. Okay. Um and their sort of technicians. So their technicians look at the 
um, returns data um, and then make either recommendations on copy or fit or products might be reviewed in that way. Um, it's not actually something that we, it's not something that's actually, I would say that that data isn't probably that freely available, that we don't actually have a report that runs returns exclusively in our team. Um, but there is information that we do get sent to us weekly. But if I'm honest, um, it's one of the lowest return rates I've seen. Um, I think purely because we have such a large return window as well. It's not a short one. So it's 365 day returns. Yeah. Um, so I think that mitigates that as well at the same time versus a 28 day return window. Yeah, oh, that is interesting. Um, mm. I'd, I'd kind of mentioned it earlier about the last two months and some retailers have, have seen major changes to their business. How have you found it as a as digital trader manager the last 12 months in terms of uh, impact from, I guess, a, um, supply chain issues to, to product availability to how you forecast when things are changing all the time? So I think one of the great advantages at Bowdoin is that if we do have supply chain issues, which we have done, um, we have a back order facility. So on the site, the customer can still order that product. Um, they might have to wait two weeks or three weeks. Um, but it doesn't seem to really deter from their buying, um, which is, is, is a massive positive because in other businesses I've worked in, um, if there is a supplier delay, there isn't actually a function to purchase that product. Um, I mean, you can make it live and make it sort of like a coming soon, but it's not really a great experience for the customer because they'd have to keep coming back to return and to check whether that product is actually available to buy. So I think the back order functionality at Bowdoin is actually really great so the customer doesn't miss out um in terms of i mean obviously everyone knows it's been a strange um sort of 12 to 18 months um and there is challenges around forecasting especially as we are set budgets um and as we are working in so many different markets um you know you might have one market that's in lockdown one market that isn't one market that's part of lockdown so there is challenges every single week um i would say but also at Bowdoin, we are quite promotionally driven. So again, this helps us quite a lot because there is normally a promotion that we're preparing for every few weeks, which we know can sort of help sales. So we know we kind of have the opportunity um, to boost sales every few weeks. Um, so yeah, it is a challenge, but I would say, if anything, we probably have quite a few levers up our sleeves. So between backorder and promotions, that's really helped us. And are you doing forecasting differently? Have you? Is there any like tips that you can share with other people about how you're doing it to to, to be a bit uh, to respond to the fact that you know there's been big spikes and there's been significant changes and that might not be so pronounced uh, over the four you know the next six to twelve months as we come out of hopefully lockdowns for good. I mean, luckily, <clears throat> majority of the forecasting isn't actually done on the trading team. We would have our own view, I think, on a week-by-week -week basis, but there yeah. is actually a, a whole separate team that, that do the forecasting. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's one thing. Um, what I would say is it's very, very hard to benchmark against last year. So we benchmark against the last two years, if that makes sense, um, to see you know when there was some element of normality, you can call yeah. it that, um, how products traded and how the website is traded then so i'd say we'd use that probably a lot more um as a benchmark on a week to week um 
as you know, looking at anything against last year is pretty much impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully the lockdowns are over. It seems like it's a never-ending cycle at the moment. But um, yeah, yeah. normality is going to be an interesting word <laughs> about what that really means for people. Um, yeah, exactly. So something, okay, a, a question I've got linked to that is, is how do you plan? Because different businesses have different ways of, of of mapping out promotion. So take the use of promotions at Bowdoin is really really key. How do you use trading calendars or planning calendars to 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 plan out and have visibility and so everyone knows what's happening and when? Um. So I guess our promotional calendars and our trading calendars are quite detailed. Um. There's pretty much something going on in every single market not just the core markets that we look after but in the all the additional markets as well at any one time so I think where I've said sort of the forecast forecasting doesn't really sit with trading there's actually a whole bigger team um that actually look at and make sure that we have we are trading a comparative like for like every week um so I guess it's probably more like a finance department essentially um, but every week we are sort of benchmarking against what promotions or what vouchers are running um, in that like for like week, um, essentially. So we never really, we always make sure that the week we're trading in, something was happening either last year or if there was literally no trading activity um, that we are up against that essentially. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if that answered your question, but there is. Yeah, I think partly There's the other bit I'd be really, sorry. I think the other bit I'd love to hear on it is is what tools you you use for your your um, planning calendars uh, in the trading team. Like, do you have it in a master spreadsheet? Do you have, do you use specific yeah. um, tool or how how do you like to? Do it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty much just a master Excel spreadsheet, um, and it's quite manual. I would say so that is updated. I would say pretty much every week because um, the level of detail of promotion changes. Um, you know, there might be a extra 10% off in three markets, but not the wider markets, or there might be a, a promotion going on in France. It's not relevant to other markets as well. So yeah, it is a master spreadsheet. Um <laughs> loads of tabs. Um and Who that is updated it? weekly. Is it is it is that yours? Like so you own it in your team? Yeah, so between between trading and operations team, we own it together. Yeah. Um, to make sure that it's up to date, to make sure that we are recording the right um, promotions that are happening that week. Um, so we try and own it together because there is a lot of change um, and there can, there can be quite subtle changes between markets. Um, for example, once something might run for two days versus three days. Yeah. So making sure that all that level of detail is is on there. So have you got any, any advice for people who, who are <clears throat> maybe they're, they're new to this and they're setting up planning calendars and it involves multiple teams? How you get alignment and an efficient process so you don't have the 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 information out of sync where your promotion in your planning um, view is not up to date because somebody's changed like the the terms or the promotion code or the the yeah not 10 off it's now 15 how do you how do you get that working effectively i would say always make sure you're doing it in the week you're in i think a lot of people in my experience have waited and been like oh well you know i'll sort that out next week and before you know it, you're, it, it gets very confusing. So I think the best thing to do is as soon as a promotion is live, it's actual, just make sure you are 100% all over that, all over that document. Because um, 
even in my experience here and other places, you'll get to a to a point in the year and look back and you know there's there's probably like a bit of a gray area in terms of what happened yeah um because so much happens in a week so i think yeah 100 staying on top of your promotional calendar your trading calendars is really really important um and then also understanding your peaks and troughs i guess in terms of revenue in those weeks um your traffic in those weeks is really important as well so i think that's really important in terms of when you're looking and reviewing trade making sure that those elements are like for like as well because obviously if your traffic and you know your email sends aren't the same um yeah your performance is probably going to be impacted by that as well and do you because i do a lot lot of work on uh, development projects from re-platforming and i'm used to when you get into like the heat of battle for launches you you have like daily stand-ups when you're in a massive promotional period like a black friday do you do you have daily get-togethers where it's like has anything changed what's happening how how do you how do you do that rather than just having a document um i think it's more done within the team um yeah um within the smaller team actually um we do have stand-ups maybe a few times a week um but it's more managing i think the stock element of it as well so as you know the most desired stock always goes first but how to make sure that those pages and those plps still stay interesting um and the customer still kind of finding that must-have product Mm. so it's done pretty much um within our team um within division and we discuss it in that in that term really it's not really done on a spreadsheet basis just because there's so many products um there's so many plps to manage so it doesn't really benefit us by recording any of that if that makes sense but we do present um sort of like monthly and weekly optimizations that we've done to sort of senior management just so we know the revenue impact of what we've done yeah and so there, there is a lot of structure clearly in trading a website regardless of the size you need structure and process how do you ensure that you don't lose flexibility and and agility for you know, if something happens it's unexpected out there that creates an opportunity now you've seen it with people where celebrity wears an item and people are like, hey as seen on we've now reacted mm-hmm. it's all over so how do you how do you not lose sight of that flexibility well, this is, I think when you work in e-commerce, it's almost um, a bit of an element of, you know, it's not it's not as straightforward as having a nine to five. Um, it happened to us last week, actually, where the Daily Mail published um, a cardigan that um, Kate had worn um, a few weeks ago. Um, and now it was on sale. So we, we I think it was like nine o'clock. <laughs> um, we were all like on a WhatsApp and we were like, okay, right, we need to make sure this search is optimised. Um, yeah. And it's it's something that can be done quite quickly, but I guess you're never really taking your eye off the ball. You're never really 100% logging out. There's always someone that has their eye on what's happening. So whether that's like Holly Willoughby wearing something in the morning, um, we're all over it in terms of as a team having a chat about that on Slack. So it's just knowing that it is very reactive. And there is always going to be an element of an out-of-hours action that needs to happen. So for us, making sure those redirects are in place, making sure the search terms are optimised, making sure that that product is, you know, really prominent on PLPs so she can find it straight away. So, yeah, I would say that it's, it is a very reactive <laughs> department to work in. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting one. As if uh, the, the e-commerce isn't a, it's not a nine to five. There are times when you need to be yeah. 
at, you need to be able to do it at short notice. So that's uh, yeah. So basically, yeah. you don't sleep. That's what I'm hearing. Well, I would say that you definitely do sleep, but um, I would say that a lot of these optimizations can be done fairly quickly, which is actually a yeah. great benefit. So it might take you like ten minutes, um, like log in, make those changes, and, and save. So it's not you know a massive. Um, there isn't like a massive um, expectation to be sort of online trawling all these websites, making sure that every single product is optimized. But you know, it's quite a quick fix. And uh, the 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 next bit I'd like to talk about is is uh, AI and ML tools because there are so many out there, and all of them say that you know all these stats about increased conversion rate by you know pick a stat from twenty percent to forty percent and uh, personalized list pages improve conversion at a and I, I, that data is is said by everybody but my question to you is somebody who's been in companies that views technology and if, who does manual merchandising and trading do ai and ml tools really have a, a positive impact uh, uh, could you talk us through anything you've seen where they've benefited your uh, ability to execute trading plans yeah i think with company like Bojan especially again like the product file is so 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 big um I don't think we can really do it without these tools I mean in terms of as I said to you we are quite a limited team um so as well as making sure that we are saving on time we're also capturing a large amount of product at the same time and we are looking at it across different locales so I think it's really important for us um a lot of these tools as well they do have a lot of testing functionality um, you do have a lot of reporting functionality on those as well. So for us, um, they are absolutely key. Um, I would say that, you know, we do work off a standard algorithm, but then at the same time, we would change those algorithms pretty much every other week, I would say. Um, you know, there's campaigns that go out, stories that sell out. We have to change things constantly. There's sales that happen, promotions that happen, product that sells out. So you know, we are looking at them constantly, but I don't think it would be as impactful without using the tools. Um, there's just no way that you could physically, I mean, you have to have a workforce of about 10 people, I guess, um, in the equivalent of using one of the tools. And you, you said about testing. Could you give a, a couple of examples of, of how you've used testing um, that these tools provide? Like what, what sort of tests you run and what, what impact does it have? Um, so we test within... Um, style stories um, we test within product stories so um, if we know particularly one market does really well with swimwear we will make sure that we can test that category to have a higher um, prominence on the PLP see how that works in terms of like a view all page for example um, in one market versus another if we know that you know the search term suggests that she's looking for a jersey dress or a dress under £100, um, how do we prioritise those subcategories um, in those markets and test those um, to make sure she's finding exactly what she wants at first, the first moment she sort of gets on the site. So we've done a lot of that. We do a lot of that within markets, within promotions, within full price periods, um, just to make sure that our customer is constantly finding what she needs as quickly as possible. 
And do you um you obviously have personalization, but what le- what to what degree is the uh the trading personalized to the user level in terms of I come into a shop onto a category page or a PLP and I have a different browsing and purchase history to another person? How do we see different things? Do you do do you do it across the site or do you pick where you personalize? So we have tried that and we just we don't feel like that that level of personalization actually makes a considerable amount of difference for sort of the amount of hours and the amount of workload that goes into it. Um, I would say personalization is probably more done at a localized level um, or at a market level, which is probably a bit more beneficial to the customer. Um, at the same time, personalization is used a lot across email channels. Um, and I guess, again, there hasn't been sort of like a great amount of data to support that, you know, the amount of time that goes into that actually benefits the customer um so i think it's probably more important at a localized level than it is at a true personalization level yeah so where do you see the technology going what is it is it evolving the role of technology for digital trading teams um where where do you think you're going to most use technology in the future so i think there's constantly so many new tools coming out i mean i get inundated pretty much every week um with someone wanting to do an introduction into this new tool or this new um functionality um i think it will constantly involve i think especially now that we've sort of been in a lockdown i think a lot of people are a lot more reliant on shopping online um as we know the high street is you know struggling as it is um and a lot of people are you know probably prioritizing finding what they need um online what i what i don't know is is how you how many tools how many merchandising capabilities would you actually need um as you know you know a lot of these programs are are very expensive to use um and how many you know does one company really need but i think there's going to be a lot more competition so i think initially um there was sort of like a couple of tools on the market there's going to be more and more tools on the market and i think that they'll only push the functionality even further. So that'll be really interesting. I think in terms of, as you were talking about personalization, how far can you push it? Because at the moment, there's not a, like a great amount of tools that I've had experience with um, that help do that. A lot of it's been a lot of manual work for us. So I think as these um, tools evolve, there'll be a lot more um, capability in terms of optimization and really, you know, personalizing that journey um for that customer because i know a lot of brands do it now um but i'm not sure to what to what extent that is manual or to what extent that is actually using smart tools but how as as an experienced trader a trader manager how would you would you trust a machine to make all the decisions because i i find that the brand control is critical here because you want to be able to curate and tell stories and, and react so would you ever want to be left with a machine making all the decisions um, I think ideally yes, but at the same time, you know, site walking is critical. That's probably such a basic thing, but yeah. you know, we we still do it every single day. There's still going to be, you know, undeniably, there's going to be times that the tool lets you down, um, and there is times that that happens. But unless I think from a, you know, from a looking at it from a profitability perspective and how much these tools cost, um. 
essentially you are putting your trust in them because of how much they cost so you, you kind of don't have a choice really but I think there's always going to be an element of manual merchandising at the same time there's always going to be a, a tiny part of that that you are going to want to control yourself but I think to make the most out of you know the, the revenue and the most out of your customer journey <clears throat> ideally you would rely on these tools quite heavily um but I think you know unfortunately we still have to check <laughs> the machine um that's running in the background and we do that quite often um it's pretty much a daily task for us but I think there's not a way that you could probably do both if that makes sense yeah, no, I, I, the earlier point you made about the the sheer scale and complexity of manually merchandising a site yeah. with hundreds of categories that that is where machines could do it far smarter with the machine learning. I just say, yeah, I think the the the, the bit the other bit you said about walking store is so essential because you, you've yeah, got to know what it feels like to be the shopper. Um, yeah, you've got exactly. To see where there might be some oddities in the user journey. Um, and that's a key part of our, I think that's a key part of your role, essentially, as um, being on a trading team. And it, sometimes you almost feel like, is this actually part of my job? Because I am actually just on the website shopping through and browsing each page and looking at new products. But that is 100%. It's really key in this job. Yeah. And and the, the you know, you said about oddities in the, in the algorithms, but there are some times <laughs> when you set up the algorithm and ranking rules and they're not working correctly and the wrong stuff's shown and you, you only mm-hmm. get that by by checking the execution of it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's sensible advice. But the, the, I guess the final question I've got for you, Kat, is what what are some of the, the key things that you would recommend to other people who are working in mm-hmm. um, trade and merchandise jobs? What are some of the things that, that, that people can and should do that help to improve results? Um, and what I would say is don't be scared to work cross-functionally. I think you can get into this bubble where trading is kind of its own thing. Um, but I think it's really important to have really good like communication across other levels of the business, particularly sort of like digital marketing teams, um, page, like sort of the, the page channels. Um, because essentially what you don't realise is that not everyone knows exactly what the trading teams are doing not everyone knows what the merchandising teams are doing <clears throat> and then not having those open conversations or even just you know like checking in on on those teams for a product launch um or a sale for example um they don't realize product that you know they might be displaying on on a channel such as facebook that might not be in the sale um but they're just using again they're using machine essentially um, to group data so they're not looking at the the level of detail that probably a trading team is looking at um, so I think that's really really easy to fall over um, I think having those conversations with you know the, as many teams as you can essentially from content teams and um, you know they might be putting images um, in a content tile on the site that's actually in a sale or it's sold out um, but having those open conversations really helps shape your website um, and really help shape that customer experience across other channels. Um, and I think that's really, really important, especially from like an SEO perspective. Um, it's just really important to have that dialogue with the trading manager and making sure that everyone, you know, is aware of, you know, what's happening. It might be like, you know, again, it, mistakes happen all the time, but making sure that everyone is aware of, you know, what's happening on the site or you've got your eyes all over it because it's not specific to the site. 
Um, obviously, customers come to us from very different shopping channels. It's not that they always just, you know, land on the site organically or they're clicking through to an, from an email, which is, you know, a lot of people have seen that's probably the majority of the traffic. But I would 100% say making sure you have wider relationships um, with teams. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would concur with that. Having having worked with some businesses where you see camp out, and you see it as a shopper as well, where you, you click on an email where it's twenty percent off all um, uh, like footwear, and you land on the site and it's ten percent off. Oh, can't you like hang a bit? Is that twenty percent still valid? Um, exactly. And you, you get this conflicting user journey, and I mean, it's it's, it's I guess it's one one, but it, actually, it's amazing how easy it is as companies get bigger for those relationships to become less um less clear cut so yeah sensible any anything else any other part in wisdom that you'd share with people for things that you've learned that help make you more effective in a, in a um i'll say on the back of that working from home which is probably one of the major ones i think in terms of communication um is that you know normally when you'd be in an office you'd have you know someone to overhear a conversation or it would spark something as you said in an email or an email draft that you're checking um so I think it's e- equally even more important now that most people are working from home um to have those conversations um which might just be like a slack message um but I think definitely having that well-rounded view of exactly what is happening not just on the site but how people get there why that's happening um and we do a lot of analysis again on last touch channel where the customers are coming from if they're converting, if they're not converting, and then sort of having those conversations with those relevant teams. So it kind of extends a bit further from directly digital trade, I guess, Um, but not being scared to look slightly outside the box. Excellent. Um, That's uh, all of the questions uh, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, That's been really (laughs) interesting. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your your thoughts and also your your insights based on on years of doing trading and merchandising roles. Um, so yeah, I hope I hope it's been a pleasurable experience for you as well, Kat. Coming no, on it has. Thanks. Today. Thanks for having me. Uh, and thanks as always to everybody for listening. And um, if people want to reach out and connect, uh, you know, maybe other trading managers want to connect and chat more. What's the best way to to contact you? So the best way to connect with me would as a LinkedIn, um, and. My full name is Katia Richardson with a J. Um, again, you can find me just by looking for my role at, Bo- at Bojan, which is on LinkedIn. Fantastic. And um, there is a post on the replatform.fm website where we'll put a link into Kat's LinkedIn profile if you want to find it. Um, so, yeah, wonderful. Enjoy the rest of your day, Kat, and uh, hopefully catch up soon. Thanks, you too. Thanks for having me again. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.